Hello there, folks, and welcome back to Pretend Worlds Real People. As always, I'm Tyler, and if my voice sounds a little weak, if it's a little hoarse, it's because I just got out of class and it was a crazy night. Now I'm recording this intro whilst sipping on hot water and honey with a little bit of cayenne, because that's what, uh, you know, we creatives do to keep ourselves in <clears throat> prime shape. I just did a couple air punches and I'm very embarrassed, but you didn't see it. So why am I saying it? I'm just going to I'm going to move on. <laughs> I'm going to move on. Uh, nothing crazy to catch you up on for this week before we get to the interview. But I will keep this quick. I hope everyone is just crushing it with their self tapes. Those of you who are acting, those of you who work in production or are writing, it seems like things are really going into high gear. So yeah, just find the times because I know everyone's busy. Find that time to sit down, breathe, and you know, just be in the moment. You know, don't let this pass you by. Because usually, if you're like myself, if you're working on a set, it goes by in a flash, and then you're just you're thinking about it constantly. So yeah, be present, have fun, and enjoy it. Uh, also, uh, I honestly I didn't even plan this, but I'm so glad that we hit the <laughs> the schedule just right. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. It's Valentine's Day 2023, and it just seemed fitting. I did, Honestly, I didn't plan this at all. It seems so fitting that this week's guest is joining the show on this day. I, th this is insane. Uh, so I guess I should introduce who we have. <laughs> and that would be uh, Leo Tipton. Now, they are an actor who's been in the business for about... Oh my gosh, uh, over 15 years or so. Uh, the story they have is just really, really tremendous and captivating and honestly a little vulnerable in places. I just had a joy talking to them and hearing more of their story, how they got into the business, how that thought even came up and how they truly navigated breaking out into Hollywood with one film, which uh, honestly was, is still one of my favorite movies and that is Crazy Stupid Love. But what, what happened after that? How they navigated developing a career whilst still being someone who, you know, didn't really know who they were creatively yet. So let's get into it because I don't want to delay this interview any further. But I would love to introduce the amazing Leo Tipton. My name is Leo Tipton, and I am an actor as much as anyone can claim <laughs> when they're not working. Uh, and I'm an actor and an artist person. Well, could you define artist person? I feel like there's there's some some things you're probably really good at outside of the acting industry. Um, you know, like any self-deprecating artist, I can't say that, but I do. Uh, try to keep my mind busy with uh, drawing and writing um, and music, mostly. Yeah. Oh, really? So, uh, I mean, one thing we talk about throughout each episode is what keeps you satiated, you know, what keeps you happy outside of, obviously, submitting self-tapes, working and auditioning, or, you know, for most of us, not working and trying to work. But what do you, uh, what do you like to do? I'm just going to get out of the way. Uh, say you had a full day of self-tapes would you start uh, i guess probably depends on your mood but would you dive right into going home playing some music writing music drawing what's your what's your usual go-to 
like after the self tapes or before the self tapes? I w- I'm going to say after because if if you're anything like me, before the self tapes, I'm not thinking about anything else but getting that done. <laughs> I the process of auditioning in general for me is is hell. There's nothing I despise more than doing this part of the job. Um, my anxiety isn't even about uh, how they come out. Usually I like how my tapes come out. Um, but the internal process of of just getting them done. Um, so I would say I try to procrastinate and I'm successful, too successful at procrastination when it comes to tapes. Um, I try to do everything I can before tapes sometimes. Um, so I would say every, every, everything. What, what do I do before? Um, literally anything and everything to try to get my brain off of (laughs) those tapes. Um, currently it's moving. Um, but normally it would be music and, and art and I get locked into those worlds so deeply that, um, night comes and just the day goes by. Whoops. How much I dread tapes, um, but to stay satiated, I think that's the hardest. I think that's a constant everyday struggle. You wake up and you're just like, what am I doing with my life? I have no, nothing, nothing I'm doing with my life right now. How to, how do you like find a, that place to belong and, and in the intermittent, um, intermediate, is that right? In the inter. Inter, inter, yeah, intermedium, inter, yeah, that sounds right. I'm gonna say it's right. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, just um, that to me is the the worst part of helplessness of just like feeling like when the self tapes are done, that's when the feeling hits of now I have no more work for this week. So I think there's reasons to that I procrastinate too, just because it almost feels like want to stock up on feeling um, efficient. Because <laughs> normally I do not, although I mask that as, as being very busy with my other things. It's kind of a game I play with myself. Yeah, it makes sense. I totally get it. I totally get it. And I do want to, um, if you don't mind, I want to go back to to the anxiety part of it, because I feel like a lot of artists have that. And I'm curious if that had started, you know, with you personally from a, a younger age before, you know, you really started acting or did that just come with the territory of, hey, this is your first uh, in-person audition. Don't be nervous, but 30 people are going to be looking at you while you do this. So uh, good luck to myself. I mean... As far as when it comes to auditioning, I think 
I used to, I initially starting out was very confident. I felt like I had a secret um, and I could go into a room and I, I, I get to come back and I'd get jobs there. And when it first started, I didn't expect to act at all. I ended up here truly accidentally. I mean, it's looking back, I think there were clandestine um, points, situations in my life that could have, you know, uh, hinted I was going to act. Um, but for the, for the most part, it took me off guard when I was um, in my early 20s, I guess. 21 was my first 20, I think was my first job. And by 22, 21, I was doing crazy, stupid love. And there was no time to be anxious or nervous or even think about what I was doing. My life just took a a turn entirely. And then I got pulled into this madness um, that is young Hollywood. And um, and I never had time to worry because I had success pretty much out of the gate. And I didn't think of the future because it just seemed to be happening. <laughs> um, and I feel like that's that can people can relate in many um, career uh, situations to not really fully looking ahead necessarily. I mean, I didn't even know how to look ahead in acting because everything is just a crapshoot. Um, <laughs> it's all, it's, it, that's what the process is constantly. Um, and now I, when I hit my mid twenties, I think things were slowing down. I was going through some wacky things in my life and I kind of pulled out of the industry for a while and coming, even though it was self-conscious, uh, no, yes. Even though it was, um, yeah, self, self, self-conscious that I was doing it. Um, no, not self-conscious. Oh my God. I have had two things of tea today and clearly it has not helped my brain. Uh, self-determined? Um, it, it was, it I was not conscious that I was doing it. <sighs> okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is going to be one of those days. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, words. We'll get to that. But it was around 30 that I kind of got my head back in the game thinking, you know, not even thinking about the leap of time, which in the business, if you are out for a year or if you don't have anything that comes out um, that's major, it's like a 10 year span has gone by, <laughs> especially as um assigned female at birth as I'm non-binary and I think gender is just dumb. Um, for any woman, especially, a year goes by and you're 30 and you're, it's hell. Just like the age difference all of a sudden 
is so striking in the roles that I'm getting and it's so jarring. It happens overnight where it's like, I think if, if I had rolled on, you know, earlier with my career, I don't know if I would have felt it so much, but because I took in my late twenties, kind of this back step, um, step back, it really, like, I just went on running and it felt like I just slammed into a glass wall. Um, and the other side was the industry being like, yeah, you, you're old now. So there's a, there's a different door for that. You got to, got to go around back. So no one sees you. <laughs> it's terrible. It's horrific. It's very confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm 34 and I was just uh, talking to my spouse uh, yesterday about the difference that it feels of, of him just like grabbing his career right now. And as all our friends, you know, um, he's a producer kind of getting their reins and taking off right now. And I'm sitting there being like, I apparently need a, a cane. <laughs> I need to get my life insurance in line and I need to get my retirement in line because it's, <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> I'm only getting older. Which is, you know, the stressful thing about being an actor in general. And yeah. that was very cynical of me. <laughs> no, but I mean, you're right to to step away at like at that point in your life and then come back. It is it is jarring. I have I have so many friends who went through the same thing. Uh, some of them had fan, like started their family younger than most people and then went back. And all of a sudden it's, oh, no, you're going out for for mom. Yeah, but this kid the kid rolls 16. I'm, I'm 31. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter. What is happening right now? Yeah. So how, how did you navigate that? Cause I'm sure psychologically that that's a, that's a clusterfuck to just go in and suddenly you're supposed to play somebody 10 years older character wise, but you have only aged four years. Yes, truly. It's, yeah. Uh, it's really confusing and I don't feel like a grown up in any way. I sometimes, but I mean, I, I must be similar to you in that I love magic <laughs> and I love fantasy adventures and doing things like Legos and games and make believe like I, I live for those things. Um, and I, I think it makes it all the more confusing when, uh, my head isn't lining up with some of the, like the characters that I'm getting. And I also just realize how real ageism is in this business. It's, I mean, I, we all knew it was there. We've all known for a long time, but to be at the beginning of it and to feel like I kind of like walked on from nothing. It's so fun. <laughs> and it's working against me in every way. I have gray hairs now somewhere there. And I'm like, that's not helping the stress of it. My spouse is always like, don't stress about your age. Cause that will make you have gray hair. And I'm like, well, that's why I'm stressing. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> 
<laughs> like this isn't this isn't helping. It's making you, I'm going to think about that even more now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's um, yeah. I, I mean, I I just turned thirty last year, and thank you, thank you. It. I feel like just now, am I reaching? Like you said, uh, a lot of your your peers and your friends are now taking your career. You know, they're taking their career by the reins and they're going off. But I also see a lot of people who are just being pushed off to the sidelines for no reason whatsoever, like the most talented people. And I'm sure you've seen it, too. And it's uh, just this overwhelming fear now giving in self tapes like am am I like, quote unquote, past prime? What for for my look, for my perceived gender? What's what's the goal now? Because I'm no longer looking 16 years old with eight pack abs. Well, I never had that. Let's be honest. Uh, but you know, shooting an Amazon teen show. Though so it's like when, when that um, when all these shifts happen in the industry, especially now, uh, some really for the better, and you know, producing content and and making your own you know, career, so to speak. What are you? really ambitious and looking forward to now as far as your career goes i mean you had a huge launch i remember you watch or i remember watching you in the, the big bang theory your first uh, you know episode when you just appeared on that and then saw you years later in crazy stupid love but i'm sure things have changed since then right so like what what do you want to do as far as your career goes like what do you want to set off you love this magic you want to you know keep experiencing it so what's what's next well, for you i think I would say that I actually want, um, I want work that is deep, deeper, more difficult. I, more than anything, I didn't know like the privilege to work when I was in my starting out was I just took for granted so much. And I want to now kind of explode with creativity and imagination. And I want to work with filmmakers on a close level. Uh, I want to dig into something. Um, I want to bury my head in just a project um, challenge after challenge. I, especially like physical challenges. Um, I've never had the confidence to allow myself to want more for my career. Um, I think I was just so confused going into this world and so just thrown by figuring out everything that a 20 year old is figuring it out. Plus, you know, having that done on display and feeling like I didn't have the social skills or um, uh, always the capacity to comprehend or um follow or choose my path I felt kind of just bopped back and forth um and I don't want to be pushed back and forth anymore I really want to be able to say that I can walk 
I can walk where I want with my career. Not just not that I want to choose jobs. I think that is a luxury I'll probably never have. Um, but I want to be able to get to the point where I I get to be with my career instead of my career being something that is um, floating floating around like a dandelion you just blew a wish on. <laughs> and just hoping that one will <laughs> snag somewhere. Um, so that was that was the third time I tried to answer that question. I feel like it was it was it was better. At least there was a metaphor in there. But I did touch upon the fact that um communication is just so important to me. And I struggle with communication so much. Um I used to care that I struggled. Now I just openly struggle. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that, especially when I'm I'm speaking to nice people who um, understand that. <laughs> well, I it's funny you mentioned that because I, I feel like a lot of people can relate to that uh, as far as being comfortable and being uncomfortable with how our you know, our words come out or our personalities exude. I mean, I bartended for eight years and every single day there would be a, well, I'm, I'm just going to walk away because this is way too weird and awkward. I'm just gonna let them sit with it. Uh, but when did that, uh, what did that shift for you? I, I really love that you brought that up. When did you realize I'm, I'm done caring if people are, you know, I, mean, I can't be done entirely. Yeah. Because it's, it's, I mean, no matter what, and I don't know if you feel this way, but when you put in a tape, especially that you're really excited about and just, uh, you know, tape after tape after tape that gets, that you don't get feedback on or that feedback is minimal. Oh, they loved your tape, but they're going somewhere else. You, I mean, you, it's hard. To, it's almost impossible to not take it personally. Um, and I think that will never, I'll never get past that entirely. But I've learned how to at least take a step back and go, okay, I don't want to hate myself for not getting work because there's something wrong with me, which is where my brain went, which is why can't I function like this? What, what is it about me that is not, um, what is it about me that people aren't seeing that it's making them um, uncomfortable in a social setting, for instance. And I just kept blaming my myself and feeling like the my biggest failure was that I, I would never be what people expected or wanted. And the version that came out was, in fact, um, so different that uh are so off-putting um that i understood i like i understood why i wasn't 
or I understood why people wouldn't like me or wouldn't, I mean, obviously that's, you know, it was in my head, but I think I finally got to the point where it was like, I can't run away from what I am, who I am. Um, I can't run away always from my isms. I can't, I can't put on a mask when I'm trying to communicate. The one time I put on a mask is when I am acting and uh, well, no, I'm always putting on a mask. I'm always masking. But the one time where I feel like confident is portraying someone else. Mm -hmm. And I used to take, connect who I was with the character that I was portraying. And I've learned to separate that and just to be okay with who I am um, and be okay with what I once thought were deficiencies um, and not ever take those back into the characters that I'm doing. I think that's the biggest difference um, in the last few years is this separation of church and state, <laughs> separation of the fact that, you know, when I get rejected for roles or I have stopped I've stopped hating myself for it it doesn't make it easier I get discouraged um that maybe or question maybe it's just how I am um but I've I've been able to separate my emotions, separate my, separate, separate my emotions from, um, from it as much. I think that was a roundabout answer. No, I got there somewhere a little bit. It's a, it was, it was a, like a Thanksgiving feast of an answer. There's different, <laughs> there's a bunch of different pieces there that all mesh so well together, including the acknowledging that, uh, you know, it'll never be completely easy to, uh, get over roles you didn't get or you know you get a call back or you're pinned and then you're released and you're like what why why me why not me uh but it shows just so much growth as an artist to have that based on you know those I've talked to and people I've met you know over the years and it is it is tough and I do enjoy that you know even before you're talking about how drawing and music and you know playing with Legos and and just absorbing magic keeps you satiated and and adds more to your life so i i do want to ask you you know when it comes to those times where you're feeling maybe a little less so because you didn't get a role um how like how quickly do you lose yourself in those practices of drawing and music and legos i just uh, actually i should rephrase that um what was your favorite lego experience post self-tape <laughs> or pre-self-tape that you could share with us um okay well for that I would say I just did the space shuttle um and that was the largest one I did it I've done it's like 3,500 pieces or 2,500? I forget. Um, it's like a, it's a big guy. And 
that one um, really allowed me to, why I love Legos is, is it completely takes your attention and allows you to also just pretend in that world. As you build it, you're hiding the worlds away that you'll never see again, um, which is something I didn't know about Legos. And I feel like it has that kind of creative, you know, you're making something, it's tangible. And you're also getting to live in this world as you make it, which is a nice escape from uh, overthinking everything. Um, yeah, that would be that would that would be my favorite. I'm waiting for the Hogwarts one. I can't. It's so expensive. Legos wow. are so expensive. But How much <laughs> is the Hogwarts one? It's Hogwarts, and it has all. The things sorry listeners All if you hear typing i'm i'm typing this in because i did not know that was happening and oh yeah it's happening oh i know okay mm-hmm. yep can't do that um <laughs> uh listeners it is now going between 400 and 545 for the yeah. hogwarts castle which is just, oh. I can't, you know, that's, yeah. that's the thing about Legos is, is, <laughs> is sadness. I, uh, oh my God, I'm going to be thinking about that all day. Um, I, growing up, I wanted to live in the Harry Potter world. I didn't even think about acting. I just, I fell into this industry, but I wanted to be there. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, for you though, I'm curious. When you were growing up, what did you want to do? What was your, what was your goal as, let's say, a six year old kid? You're like, I'm gonna do this. Did you have? I wanted to be an astronaut. Really? Hardcore. I went to space camp. I went to aviation camp. After that, God, I had like in my room, I had on my walls just the steps that I would need to become an astronaut, like where I would need to go to school and what majors I would have to have and the training and all the different ways that I could get there. Um, I was obsessed, obsessed. And then it turns out that I'm not great at math. It is my favorite subject for uh, math theory. Um, and I find it one of the most magical things in the world. Speaking of magic, just the numbers and math is everywhere. And it just, ugh. Um, but turns out, yeah, you have to have just like a, like a better math grade in general or anything pertaining to uh, space. So that died, that died pretty quick, uh, in, in high school. <laughs> um, and then it, it, uh, it became filmmaking and it became filmmaking because I, um, had so much trouble socially in school. I was homeschooled in elementary school because I was figure skating. Um, and when I went to, when I went into high school, I was still skating. So kids didn't really know me and I wanted to be cool just like anyone, but I would, I felt like I would open my mouth or I would, I don't know, be myself and it would, 
it would make people uncomfortable. Um, I felt that I was making people uncomfortable or more. I didn't realize that. I think I was just confused in general, like my social awareness and my ability to read people is just not, um, ideal. And I realized quickly if I could, I loved Let me go back. My dad is a computer engineer. He came home one day with a program and he showed it to my sister and it was an editing program, video editing program. One of the very early, like, you know, consumer, uh, consumer ones. And he was out playing golf on a Saturday or something. And I managed to sneak into his office. Um, and figure out how to upload the video. And I started to figure out how to um, work it. And my dad got home and he saw me on his computer and he was livid, livid. And thinking that I was you know, going to mess it up. I wasn't the computer kid. Uh, and then he came over and I had finished my little film, which I believe was following my dog around um, to who let the dogs out. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I had, I had been holding a video camera and filming things from a very young age. Um, there's a video that my dad always uh, references of probably the first movie that I made, which I was going around the ice rink, um, the camera, just looking up the whole time, talking to the adults and talking to all the kids and interviewing them and, showing what it was like to be backstage at a show. And then my sister and her best friend made these movies. And the only way that I was allowed to play with them was that if I videotaped them. So I was so desperate to want to play that I would let them, they would make the movies, they would make the story and everything. Um, and I would get to film it. And so when I got into high school, realizing that I still uh, I still had that obsession with taping things or um, documenting in a way, that if I had a camera, uh, people would talk to me. That if I hid behind a camera, that if no matter what, I became that person that was, ma I made all the school movies, I uh, was president of the film club, like, um, I was accepted when I was filming others and I would make these movies of my friends and um, it, I was pretty sure that people wanted me around because I would document them and edit these kind of choppy videos together. Um, and it, it was the the first time I think that I felt like this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, and I've felt that still every single day. I think that I'm supposed to be a filmmaker. That's a lot easier said than done, of course. <laughs> um, uh, but so that is what astronaut 
space camp training um, became <laughs> facing facing the world with the with the camera and being behind a lens um, to be able to be around people. I uh, I see you like the just that entire story. I I see it. I feel it. Uh, it it brings back a lot of memories and. Uh, before I, I get to the last batch of questions, because I know I'm running over time, how? Oh God, uh, I mean, look, I've <laughs> took like no. 20 minutes to try to answer one question. I always know. I always feel bad. I always tell the reps, like, yeah, 30 to 40 minutes. But then if we click, it's like, all right. Um, but the the transition into you know going in front of the camera, I think for a lot of people that's a very, it could be a very scary experience. It could be a very cathartic experience. So the first time you actually performed on camera, what was going through your head after being behind the lens for so long? I didn't. I refused to call myself an actor for the first two years of my career, and it wasn't until I was on the press tour for Warm Bodies um, that or Damsels uh, that I finally took the the title actor. <laughs> I said, you know, I went home and I was like, I guess I'm an actor um, like three movies in um, because I was just I, I was almost embarrassed. Um, I felt like I failed myself, which is just the you know, once you work with fantastic actors, m- at least for me, my understanding of acting completely shifted and changed. Um and when I finally like allowed myself to um, settle there, I think I think it still requires me to take off my contacts and let the world blur around me, because no matter what, I it's hard to not see it from a filmmaker's perspective. I I want to know, um, I want to understand the the lighting and I want to understand why the shot is, what is it saying and how that works with my performance. And so I have to make sure I'm not directing myself in, in some instances um, when I, when I'm doing self tapes, at least. Uh, But that was how that, that was how it was. It's, I can be comfortable because I'm being someone else. And when I'm not do, and then, so that way it works. It makes sense when I'm holding a camera or when I'm in front of a camera, I'm either hidden or I am still hidden, but I'm, I'm someone else with someone else's words and I can make that work and I can get out of my own skin. Um, so it wasn't a terribly large shift. It was just a different version of um, feeling socially acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. And so why do you bring that up? Because all I can think of is the amount of anxiety I get when you now have to switch and go to like a mixer or do, you know, like a premiere thing and go talk to people outside of 
the set outside of the film itself. And then you have to kind of be yourself, but also put on, like you said, a mask. So you don't freak out and have an anxiety attack because you're talking to, you know, it could be producers. It could be, you know, just people who are trying to interview you. But um, yeah, that, uh, that all makes sense to me. <laughs> I'm playing somebody else. Somebody else wrote these words. I got nothing to do with it outside of, you know, this. And then the camera's a whole other thing. Uh, but with your with your experience and everything you've talked about, I am very curious about this next uh, next answer. And it's if you have a party story you could share with our listeners. So it's not necessarily a, a story that happened at a party, but it's a story, uh, something that has impacted your life, something that, you know, you really just you can remember to to a T that has occurred throughout your or not throughout, but during your career that you would definitely resort to telling friends at a party. It could be something really funny, something kind of tragic, uh, something scary, just something that stands out so immensely. You would definitely tell it over a couple of drinks at, you know, a local bar. It was uh, I'd say it's kind of. Um, a glittery memory. Uh, at the Venice Film Festival, which was like my first film festival. It was with Damsels in Distress, uh, the Whit Stillman film. He hadn't made a film for 12 years and he's kind of a cult filmmaker. And so this was his um, uh, debut since his absence. And we closed the festival. Um, that night, I it was my first time like experiencing a red carpet like that, where it's just, I don't know if you've looked at the Venice carpet, but it's this huge red thing and all, people are like in a pit. I, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's, it's terrifying um, and enormous with hundreds of bulbs going everywhere, flashing. And um, I had a bouncer because I was in a Dior gown but the bouncer was because I had a $500,000 bracelet on my hand. Yes. Yeah. And so I had this bouncer with me. <laughs> it wasn't for me. He was for the bracelet. Um, <laughs> let me clarify. And I'm just walking. I'm like, where, what in the world is happening? This was only two years into acting, right? Um, Crazy Stupid Love had like just come out. And... Uh, or it came out like the year before or something. Um, and when the movie finished, we were sitting on on a high, on the like middle balcony at the top and Wit got a standing ovation. And so we were just standing there and the entire, the entire theater stood and turned around and clapped for like, minutes <laughs> and we walked out into the uh there was like this rooftop that the theater walked out to um that had the closing party and michael fassbender had just won for best performance um i am watching a truck struggle I, I'm sorry, I have the attention span of a tea bag. Um, <laughs> uh, and I didn't even know who Michael Fassbender was. But he, uh, I came out, got a glass of champagne, 
he came over and like, he had no idea who I was, swept me into, uh, at, like on a podium and like cheer. And he had his big, like goblet award that he was drinking out of, <laughs> drinking wine out of. And he cheers the, the balcony and everyone like cheers back. And, you know, he, he put me down and went on his way. And I was just like, what just happened? <laughs> what is happening? And that night I was barefoot at the end of the night and just walking down the streets in Venice with my very friendly bodyguard who at this point was like holding my heels. <laughs> and I was just like spinning around and dancing to music in my own head. And it was, there are moments in this career that have been glamorous and there have been very, very few. I mean, it's, it's all smoke and mirrors, but this moment, I would say I look back on and I'll never forget it because it shouldn't have existed. It doesn't, (laughs) I was just so confused about what was going on the whole time of just like how things worked in this career. And uh, it was like like 22. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Then I started on the career path and (laughs) learned that that's a very rare moment uh, that I'm glad I had. Now I'd probably dread realizing just, oh God, it's so stressful and terrifying. And (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's, it's very different with years of experience because that it just, it sounds like a whiplash memory. You know, where it happens so quickly. Yes. Yeah. And then you have your entire life to look back on it (laughs) and complete disbelief. Yes. I mean, I have a lot more stories from set, thankfully. And it's always it's always things on set, like my favorite things of but they're hard to translate of when actors can't stop laughing as long as you're not um, (laughs) as long as the crew is laughing, too, and you're not behind. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, some of my favorite memories are just not being able to, you know, and, or the director starts laughing and can't stop. And, and it's just infectious and you're with your family of, of these wonderful people that come to work and work so much harder than, than I could ever, I mean, that I, it just, it's, it blows my mind how hard a crew works and to watch these people that you formed bonds with just not be able to do any they're because everyone is just like on the floor and you can't look at anyone because everyone will just start busting up and there's no it doesn't happen anywhere else um in my life at least it's such a specific and unique moment for for set and then you have to go back and you have to get serious so that you can go back and play pretend and it's just amazing to me that that is that's an occurrence (laughs) That's my um, less douchebag vague story because, again, you can't really, it's hard to, you don't want to hear me try to retell something that was funny. It's, it's... I don't know. I would buy your memoir in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> I want the audiobook. I want to listen to it. It's a tattoo that says the brevity is the soul of wit, which is from, well, it's a Shakespeare, it's from Hamlet, but it's also 
um, something from Phantom Tollbooth, which is my favorite book. And I've, I got it tattooed so that I would remember brevity is the soul of wit. Since I always stumble with my words and go on these tangents that um, I forget I'm on and just keep following. Clearly, even though it's tattooed on my body, it is never sunken in. I can never write a memoir. It would be, it, it would, it would, it would be bad. It would be just tangents. That's, that, that, that I, I mean, in all honesty, that would make a better memoir. <laughs> I, you could always use a ghostwriter, but no, I, 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 you know what, based off of the hundred something episodes I've done of this show, I can relate to that. <laughs> a lot of Chris Farley energy where things just drop and you're like, shit, what was I talking about? Uh, there's a bird outside. I don't know what's happening. Um, but both, you know, your, which your first story wasn't douchey at all. I, I think it's, it's one of those stories that a lot of people say is douchey because they don't want to come off as douchey, but it's a wonderful memory. And then the, you know, just being on set, it, people develop a hive mind when you work with, you know, these folks for weeks or months on end. And eventually it's two in the morning and everybody wants to go home, but the giggles won't fucking stop. Uh, so they're just going to they're just going to happen. Uh, but with all of that that you just said, I wonder, do you have any advice that you could pass on to our listeners, whether they're say they're starting out in their their acting journey or maybe they've been in it for 10 years and they're trying to stick themselves to it and keep going. Do you have anything that could keep them going that you've personally held on to? Uh, yeah. I don't have any other skills. Uh, so I keep going <laughs> because I need money <laughs> to feed my dog. Uh, so get a dog. That's my advice. It's the, that is, that is the most cynical thing I might've said. Um, <laughs> I mean, for the first one, I would say that despite feeling like I've always had to mask myself or not feeling like I'm never right enough or what they want enough. Um, the times when I have been most myself and had fun with my tapes and explored the work I was doing from a different point of view from one that wasn't like I know that they want this or they're looking for this but it's okay they're looking for that what is it about that role that I can bring and being yourself and being unique and different is to me what truly matters at the end um, and it's not about being what they want on the page. It's, a, it's gotta be more than that. You gotta bring more than that. And 
don't be shy to, or scared and don't let any acting coach don't tell you that, you know, you're, that your take on something is, is wrong. Um, because it's your take and it won't be anyone else's. Don't try to make it anyone else's. Um, as far as real advice for uh, those in the, the slump of things, it's hard to remember, at least for me, I've never not worked a year. I've never gone a full year without working. Um, I've always done a, two or three projects uh, in a year, albeit very different sizes. Um, uh, but it always feels like eons just go by in that in that in-between time. Um, they, I'm sure you've heard this, but work isn't when you're on set. Work is what you do in between jobs. And it's mental work and it's never easy. And it's so unique and specific. It's hard to even, you know, our friends might not understand it. Our family might not understand it, which isolates and um, makes you question every day. Maybe makes me question what <laughs> am I doing with my life as, especially as I get older. Um, but as my, as my spouse keeps saying, like it is longevity and if you can manage to hold on I mean that's all there there is to do if you're committed I guess there's not another choice that's probably not really advice as much as um as acknowledgement that it's just it's not easy, but you're not the only one that's, it's not easy for, it's not just you, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, oh, at, at any stage of your acting career. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, everybody needs to hear that. This isn't a sprint. It's a marathon and it's a marathon with flip-flops most of the time. And one of them is broken uh, and there's no water, but uh... <laughs> you're in the desert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still having fun. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think those are those are very key points, especially the sticking in it, because it does take someone else saying it is about longevity for you to realize, oh, yeah, I'm just and in, in, I'm in my head. Uh, I also want to see with, you know, the stuff you're doing now and, you know, things you're working on, especially with your career and, and just personally, do you have anything I can give a shout out or a promotion to within this episode could be um, something that's coming up that you've worked on could be a charity organization, something you really believe in, but is there anything I can put down the show notes for you? Yes. A, I did a show that came out in October, um, called a friend of the family. Uh, it's on Peacock. Um, it stars Jake Lacey, Colin Hanks, Anna Paquin, 
and uh, McKenna Grace, who's a lovely up and coming sensation. Um, it's a beautiful and horrific story, um, true story. It's, they say it's true. They kind of like to bundle it into true crime, but it's just, it's not a true crime. It is someone's sto life story um, that unfolds. It's almost, it's so, it's almost impossible to believe that it occurred. Um, and it has a lot of difficult themes, um, but the it resolves itself into something uplifting and beautiful. And uh, the story is about Jan Broberg's life. Um, and she has a foundation, the Jan Broberg Foundation, um, which is to help and to build a community for um, sexually assaulted individuals um, and getting out an awareness to um, how common sexual assault is and within close proximity that it's um, and, and giving a voice to people who aren't comfortable with coming out, giving them a place to, to talk. Um, so I would, I, I would do that, um, watch the show and then go and research the Jan Broberg Foundation because it really is um, wonderful what she's doing. That's perfect. I thank you for sharing both of those, especially the, the foundation. That's, I'm going to put the link in that as well. Um, I uh, I just have one more thing for our goodbye, but I want to say like this was a joy chatting with you and and getting to know you, getting to sit down on this. Uh, I don't know how it is over there, but very cold and overcast based Friday. Uh, Where are you based? <laughs> I'm in, I'm based in Denver. Oh right, I knew that. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, uh... how's it how's it lacking. Oh, you're the worst. It looks so good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, well, I uh, I have one more thing before I end the recording. Uh, I must preface it by asking you, have you ever seen Wayne's World? Yes, it's been a minute. Okay. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> the, yes, definitely. The, the last piece of this show is what I like to call an awkward goodbye. Uh, so essentially, I'll give you a silent cameraman Wayne's World countdown, three, two, one. And when I point to you, give me your best verbal awkward goodbye, and I'll stop the recording from there. Does that sound good? Okay. Super awkward. Here we go. In.